Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Week 10 of the NFL season is officially here. And that means it's bounce-back time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An embarrassing loss on Sunday Night Football. And this Sunday, we have yet another division opponent in front of us. The Carolina Panthers, who have dropped their last five, are still 3-6. And and believe it or not, still a surprisingly frisky team. So they'll be showing up ready to play. Welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast, episode 145. It is our weekly game preview show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always... My good buddy and co-host, glad to have him back off of his suspension. The Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Doesn't have any video this week, joining us via the hotline, but coming in loud and clear from Orlando. How you doing, buddy? Uh, feels good to be off this uh, suspension. I won't make the mistake again. Uh, I, I've learned from it. I'm a different person now. And, uh, yeah, me and Antonio Brown are in the same boat. We're, we are different people. And, uh... Yeah, happy to be back. Yeah, well, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, you know, I think we got your verdict done a little bit faster than AB. So, you know, like you said, yeah. you served your time. You're a better person because of it. And, and now we're looking forward. But a very special guest on this week's game preview show as well. The honorary third member of the Cannon Fire podcast. He needs no introduction at this point, but I'm still going to give him one. You know him as Mr. Bucks Nation on YouTube, a.k.a. very good friend of the show, Mr. James Hill. Welcome back to the show, James. Just a just a week removed from when you were here last, so I'm sure people are still pretty fresh. Yes. Yeah, so now me and Evan got to start. You know how these things work. You know, one guy gets suspended. You know, he comes in, fills in as the starter. The guy comes back from suspension, and then it's like this awkward kind of competition of like who's going to keep that starting role. You know, that's kind of what me and Evan are going through right now. You know. <laughs> Every co-host that we've yeah. ever had on about, you know, whether he's filling in for Evan or just he can't make it, every co-host we've ever had on is like, I'm going to take Evan's job. And, um, you know, people in the comments are still clamoring for the Philly Bucks fans, so we got to give the people what yeah. we want. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, but very happy to have you both here and very happy to talk about this Sunday's matchup. Before we do that, I think we just kind of need to get it off of our chest. I think we need to to let it air out. Um, and we need to move on from it as quickly as we possibly... Are you okay, James? I'm Are good. you okay? I'm good. <laughs> Choking on water. I'm going to mute myself. Just keep on dying. Uh, this this part of the show is going to choke me up too, but we kind of have to get our final thoughts out there uh, from Sunday Night Football against the Saints because, you know, it's not an easy loss to bounce back from 38-3. to And I only say that because, for me personally... My thoughts after that game were that the Bucks were just not the team that we thought they were headed into that matchup. And I only bring it up again here because, Evan, we didn't get your thoughts on that matchup. And you know, I just kind of wanted to get your two cents. The people want to know you were there in person, so you definitely got a dynamic that neither James or I did. 
Um, so what was that game like for you, and, and what were your biggest takeaways from it? Well, for one, uh, it sucks right now that I can't see the Skype call because when you were like, are you okay, James? I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, he was, just, he was choking to death on the intro of the podcast. It was pretty rude, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, yeah, it's, it's his fault. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, let's see. Where, where to begin? Uh, Did you so, eat food at the game? Uh, no, no, I ate, I ate food before the game. There you go. Not during. If you did during, you might throw up. Yeah, you might pick it all up. You're missing out on those Raymond James chicken tenders and fries, man. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't. I didn't really want to spend like twenty five hours on chicken tenders and fries. So. Another fair point. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, that was a game. Um, that was something. It was, you know, my experience. Uh, I, I was talking to Rhett before the show about it. Um, you know, when, when, uh, James was trying to, to fix the AC, I guess he went to like Antarctica to fix it or something. Yeah. He's but, like, Hey guys, I know uh, we're going to record a podcast, but I got to play handyman real quick. I'm just kidding. Is this man, the roast this James is, podcast? I don't the, the, the roast of the roast of James. Hill. there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yep. It's good content for your channel, dude. Um, I mean, it's, it's good content for both of us. It's a win-win. Oh man. Sorry about that, James. Well, we, we, we still like you or else we would have done it without you. So. Um, oh my gosh! Stop! Just kidding. how was the game, Evan? Anyways, uh, it was it was weird because yeah, I know that like it's not a full stadium and like that like impacts things, but it's a lot of quiet. Like there wasn't like I guess it's like how the Bucks played. Just like not a lot of emotion, not a lot of energy. Just like everybody was quiet. Everybody sort of knew. That like once like the Saints went up fourteen nothing twenty one nothing that like okay like it's over then it's just like I saw some people like they left at halftime and it didn't come back like I mean there was people that just left at halftime so um, I mean you knew it was over early and just not a lot of energy I mean to me I try to enjoy it as much as I can because I know that I only get down here once a year so like this isn't like a weekly occurrence for me so I try to enjoy it as much as uh, I could, but I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, they just got dominated. It's, it's in all, in all three phases. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to pinpoint every player because I mean, you know, or I should say one player because everyone sucked. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, you know, I, I don't like, care, you know, if you could point out one guy, Oh, he played decent. Oh, suck up made the field goal. I, I don't care. Um, everybody sucked and that's every coach, every player, they all suck. And that's what happens when, when you're when you're like that against a, a good team like the Saints. If 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 the Saints were a bad team, if they were playing a bad team right there, they they still lose. But it's probably not thirty eight to three. Right. Um. It's probably much closer, and it's probably a much more boring game. Honestly, it's probably like seventeen to three or something. But, um, I mean, yeah, they just they couldn't get anything going, and like like I said, you. Basically, I had told somebody at the the last time that stadium had energy was after the Jared Cook fumble on the goal line. That was it. And then once the Bucks went three and out there, that was that was it. There was no more energy, and that's exactly how they played. So, just I mean, just yeah, just getting dominated. The coaches come out with a idiotic game plan, and uh, you know, and the players and the players don't execute. I mean, the you know it's. It goes, you know, it got to go both ways. The, the coaches have to come up with a good game plan. They didn't. 
but the players also have to just play good. <laughs> like there's, there's so many things that the coaches can do. Like the players still have to play good and they didn't do that either. So a perfect storm. And uh, that's what you're going to get against a, a, a good team. So that's last thing I'm going to say about it. Um, not really going to talk about it too much more, but uh, it's definitely something that hopefully they can learn from. You thought their wake up call was maybe against the giants where they were supposed to dominate them. And it was, they were basically a, uh, a two-point conversion away from going to overtime and potentially losing right there. Um, you thought that was their wake-up call, and apparently it wasn't because they're still sound asleep. So hopefully this was the the final alarm going off, and you know they stopped hitting the snooze button and they they finally got up. Um, but we'll see what happens, and we're gonna have we're gonna know a lot of things about this team uh, on this Sunday, I think, because what you see this Sunday, I think their ability to bounce back, which they've been able to do after losses their ability to bounce back is, is huge. Yeah, and I think that's the last we're going to bring it up on this show as well because it is a known fact that every single person in the building, the locker room, your you know your front office managers, everybody in the Buccaneers organization has already forgotten about that game. It's what you have to do, and hopefully by the end of Week 17, it is the outlier of what can still be a good season for Tampa Bay. But this is the game preview show, so let's go ahead and get into that. But first, I just want to let everybody know, you know, I, I almost put money on the game. I was that confident going into it. I'm glad that I didn't. And it just kind of proved to myself that, you know, I'm not a betting man. I'm really not. But I'll tell you what, folks, if you are, the perfect place to get all that action is with our friends over at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got their online casino, which never, ever closes. So make sure you get over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they have got going on. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. So this Sunday, the 6-3, second place in the NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to be taking on the 3-6 and six Carolina Panthers, who, as I mentioned before, have dropped five straight. I remember at the time of the season, week four or five, when this team, the Panthers, started, what, 3-1? and one? And everybody was like, oh, you, you know, look at this. They're, they're rolling a little bit better than we really thought they would be at this point in the season. And then here they are. They're still a couple games back in the division. You know, they can really make a push if they want to, but at 3-6, and six, I think Bucks fans are familiar with that territory. There's not a whole lot of leeway you can do, and it's fine because, you know, the Panthers are an openly rebuilding team. It is what it is. They're in, like, year one to two of what people would say is a three-year rebuild, um, and it just is what it is. But with all of that being said... When push comes to shove, it is hard to sweep rivals in the NFL. It does not matter if you're 6 or 3. doesn't matter if you're 1-8 and eight at this point in the season. When you play division games, that record pretty much goes out the window. And like I said, the Panthers, although they have lost a ton, they have been pretty tightly contested football games. They almost disappointed the Chiefs last week, the reigning Super Bowl champions. They took that game down to the wire, weren't able to wrap it up, and of course KC victorious, but... What I'm trying to say is that the Panthers, you know, while they are 3-6, and six, they're definitely not a team that the Buccaneers should take lightly, especially after last Sunday night's performance. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, I believe actually they started 1-3, and three, which makes it even more impressive that they're 3-6 and six right now. Oh, I thought, um, they, I thought they had wins. lost, they lost five straight, have they not? Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. Because, I mean, well, they started off 0-2, but they lost to the Raiders and they lost to the Bucks. They've lost um, so, four, four straight. 
Okay, thank you for correcting okay, me. There we go. So yeah, so like I know I knew that they they battled their way back, like from like they were one and three, and they battled their way back. I think to three and three, and then uh, or they were three and two, and then just you know have fallen off a little bit. But like you said, Rat, I mean they're they're in every football game, and they're kind of like the Giants. Uh, the Giants have a worse record, and I think the Panthers have a better roster and more talented roster. But like the Giants were no pushover, and the Bucks learned that. So. I think this game is going to be the same, just like with, you know, like you said, divisional game, it's even closer. You know, I know that the, the scoreboard says that the Bucks beat the Panthers 31-17 uh, to 17 in week two, but like that was that Leonard Fournette run with like a minute left to ice it. So, yeah. I mean, really, I'm putting that down as like 24-17. to 17. That game was much closer. Um, and, and the that, Bucks got a big lead in the first half. By the way, that week two it. game is the only game on the Panthers' schedule this year that they have lost by more than one possession. And and like you had just mentioned, the Leonard Fournette wow. run at the end just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not going to have Christian McCaffrey, but as we've seen over the weeks, and fantasy owners can tell you, Mike Davis has been very good for them so far, and I think that continue. Um, like, I mean, Mike Davis isn't the same player as Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is better. The Panthers are a better team with Christian McCaffrey. But Mike Davis is no slouch, so definitely can't overlook him. And uh, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a tight game all the way. Um, if if it's not, I think it's going to be pretty much a replica of the Week Two game. Like the Bucks might get up a little bit early, Panthers fight hard to come back, but in the end, short. Or maybe the other way around. Who knows? I don't. You know, like I said, this this game to me is is big for for setting the expectations for the last half of the season for the Bucks. I think you know. If they come out and play well, I think you can have you know some high expectations for the rest of the season. But if they come out flat again and are playing that same soft zone and they're trying to prioritize getting the ball in Ronald Jones's hands when you have Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, you're trying to prioritize that. Then I think your expectations can switch. But um, yeah, it's a it's going to be a tight game. Uh, James, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be a tight game as well, or do you think that the Bucks or Panthers might maybe pull away with us? You know, uh, I think you did. Uh, you said it perfectly when you said, you know, this upcoming game is is a true indicator of what this team could be for the remainder of the season. You know, and, and I've heard Bruce say that a couple of times during his time here as head coach. Um, not having Christian McCaffrey is so huge for this Panthers offense. But even in week two, you know, towards the end of that game, we saw Mike Davis a little bit. And I think he's, you know, pretty good as a backup running back. I think that you know, be it with the Panthers or be it with whatever other team he goes and gets money from, you know, I, I think he could be a serviceable serviceable backup, if not like maybe like a fringe starter type guy. I also really like what the wide receiver core uh, is doing for this Carolina Panthers team. So, I mean, like they have a lot of things to like, you know, like you were mentioning. Um, exactly like what you said, four, four game losing streak, but all of them were by one score. So like they're... I think they're a lot better of a team than their record gives credit for. Um, I think that this will probably be technically closer than that week two game one way or the other. Um, I know the Bucks are probably coming off that Saints game. I think they're probably going to be a little bit pissed off. Uh, so we'll see how much that takes into effect in terms of their overall play. I, I, I really hope and I think that they're not going to let a situation like previous games happen again you know I, I really think they're trying to move on from that and just try and 
take over the remainder of this season, essentially. So we'll see, but I think it could be closer than a lot of people may be thinking. I think we were in shape for a pretty exciting game. Those divisional games are always exciting to watch, so hopefully the Bucks have some good things in store for us this Sunday. Let's go over the injury report before we preview the game anymore. Pretty extensive for both teams, but you got a lot of guys on here who are going to play. And as far as the Buccaneers are concerned, you got some faces popping back up here. That is good news, if anything. So let's just get into it. First up, outside linebacker Shaq Barrett, a guy who hasn't popped up on the injury report all that much. He was out with a shoulder injury. Actually, he was limited participation on Wednesday, so he should be good to go. Big number 58. Next up on the list, inside linebacker Levante David with a knee injury. He was limited participation, which is, again, a really good sign because we saw him go down in the game against the Saints. He was able to fight it off, come back in. And, um, you know, Levante David, year in and year out, just the toughest SOB on this football team. I mean, in my opinion tougher than a lot of the O-linemen you have out there, but number 54 should be good to go for Sunday's contest. This next one, wide receiver Chris Godwin with that finger injury. He was limited participation. He's going to give it a go. I think we'll see him suit up on Sunday. Next up, tight end Rob Gronkowski, not injury-related, did not participate at practice. You know, we've kind of talked about this the last few weeks. You know, I, I, I think Gronk has been a little bit injured. Definitely don't think he's been 100%, but I'm sure that when you look at this, not injury-related, did not participate. It just a maintenance day, really. I think that's what you got to chalk it up to, right, Evan? Yeah, it's it's a, just a veteran's day off. So, yeah, th- this might be something that they wanted to maybe do. You're you're past the, the midway point in the season now, and maybe you know you're thinking, all right, let's start to just ease it on him a little bit more now because we don't want to overdo it because you're going to need him come playoff time, come these games down the stretch. So, I think yeah, they. That was probably the plan all along, that early on they were going to try to get him in his, in his best football shape as they could. And then, like, sort of midway through the season, um, they were going to rest him a little bit more. So, Yeah, definitely. This next guy on the injury report, a refreshing sight, I know, for myself, because a really big le- uh, a really big reason that, you know, Tom Brady never got comfortable on Sunday night was the absence of this guy that is your guard, Ali Marpet, on concussion protocol. He returns Limited participation. He should be good to go for Sunday, but he's got to kind of, you know, fully get out of concussion protocol, but I think he will be good to go for Sunday's game. Next up, nose tackle Steve McClendon with a shoulder injury. Limited participation. I think think he should be good to go as well. Next up, wide receiver Scotty Miller with that hip-slash-groin injury that he's been nursing since, God, week two or week three. Um, We should see number 10 uh, suit up and be ready to go. Next up, Cornerback Sean Murphy bunting with a groin injury. He was also limited participation. And then outside linebacker JPP with a knee injury, limited participation. We saved the staple guy for last because he's on here every single week. But with that being said, everybody I just mentioned, I really don't think there's any doubts they should play, right? Everybody, yeah. Everybody's going to play. I don't really think – maybe some guys are limited on their snaps, but I I think – all those guys should be able to good to go and uh yeah should be should be good 100 percent ready to go so i mean they're looking at now the week 10 now is probably the, the healthiest that the bucks have been in uh in a few weeks so um yeah here we yeah. go let's take a look at the panthers side of things they've got an extensive list as well and of course a major injury which we'll be talking about here in a second 
Running back Reggie Bonifon. Uh, Bonifon? Yeah, I think so. With an ankle injury, limited participation. Yeah, he'll probably be good to go, especially with the absence of McCaffrey. Safety Justin Burris with a rib injury, limited participation. Safety Jeremy Chin with a knee injury, limited participation. I remember before the draft, people had Jeremy Chin ranked so much higher than Antoine Winfield. And I just wanted to kind of toss that out there because uh, I don't know how many Jeremy Chin highlights you guys have seen this season. Well, I mean, he's good. Yeah, I believe he's good. He, he, he's just no Antoine Winfield. He's still, he was my well. Uh, he was Chin was my fourth ranked safety coming out, I think, and Antoine Winfield is my second ranked safety. So, um, yeah, I, I liked both of them, and I mean, yeah, Chin has been one of the bright spots on a Panthers defense that's given up some points. Uh, yeah, I mean, their their offense is really the ones that are keeping these things close games uh, because their their defense is starting to give up some points. So. Uh, Chin has been a pretty big bright spot. This next guy, I do not think was in the game when they played the Buccaneers week two. Defensive end, Yatur Gross Matos with an ankle injury. Correct. He was full participation. Definitely going to be good to go for Sunday. Next up, defensive end, Marquise Haynes with a shoulder injury. He was limited participation. Next up, cornerback, Dante Jackson with a toe injury. He was full participation, so definitely will be playing. And then... Here's the biggest name on this list. We got a couple of big names to wrap this thing up, but the first one that I think will be the most talked about, running back Christian McCaffrey with a shoulder injury, did not participate in practice. So Christian McCaffrey, he'd been injured for weeks. Panthers got him back against KC. He was the main part of their offense because that's what he is when he's on the field. And uh, he wound up injured again. I remember the report had come out the day after the game. And it had said that he was week to week. His status for this Sunday is kind of up in the air. Well, push came to shove, and we found out that the Panthers will be without number 22. So definitely make some things interesting for this matchup. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Mike Davis has filled in nicely for them. So it's definitely not something to overlook. But, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a different offense when, when McCaffrey is out there. So not having him, just like the Giants not having Saquon Barkley, it, it's a pretty big loss. Yeah. Hopefully, unlike the Giants game, we just don't see, you know, their backup running backs put up 100 yards on us. But we'll, we'll see what happens. James, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry about that. You're good. I was just checking to see what the latest was on that injury. Um, uh, He got a second opinion on his shoulder, and it says that there's a realistic chance to play in Week 11. Um, against the Lions yeah. for McCaffrey. But he's 100% out for this game. Yeah, that's a shame. He, he should be good to go. He's a tough player. And, I mean, you know, with the Panthers, the way that their season is going right now, if you lose to the Buccaneers this Sunday, you're 3-7. and seven, Not an easy hole to dig yourself out of. So, yeah. I, I don't know. For a team that is rebuilding, maybe McCaffrey's status is kind of limited for the rest of the year. But we're not worried about that right now. We're focused on this week's game. Next up on the injury report, They've got offensive tackle Russell Okung with a calf injury. Did not participate on Wednesday. So uh, a big old question mark on that offensive line for Carolina. Well, Okung has been up and down really all year for him, like play-wise. So, I mean, (laughs) yes, some Panthers fans, I think they'd be okay with not having him. But he has had his bright spots, so it's definitely a loss if he's not able to go. But still have another another few days so we'll see if he's able to go he hasn't been ruled out yet so um that will be a big loss if he can't go but um yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see 
Yeah. Two more guys to wrap this list up. Tight end Ian Thomas, not injury-related, did not participate on Wednesday. And then finally, on that defensive line, defensive end Stephen Weatherly with a finger injury did not participate. So there are the injury reports. Let's get into the game preview, ladies and gentlemen. I need to say something just right at the top of it. Like, we got to get out in front of it. Um, Tom Brady has to find Mike Evans this week. You know, I, I know that we've we've kind of put the excuse that, oh, Mike's double teamed. It's, you know, he's got to spread the ball out. He's going to throw it to who's open. But I, I need to see Mike Evans have a big game. Or at least I just need to see him targeted more than he is. Because it's not a matter of not being able to get it to him because he has to force it to him. He's just not being targeted. You know, there are so many times between the Raiders game and, of course, last week's game where you look back at film and Mike Evans is wide-ass open. And it's not really Tom's fault per se, but he just doesn't find him. Like, he, he just... I don't know what it was. And, I mean, yeah, in the Giants game, he didn't look entirely comfortable in the pocket. And in the Saints game, he definitely did not look comfortable at all for any bit of that game. But you've got to find your playmakers. And look, like... You know, I know a few weeks on the I know a few weeks ago on the show, I think it was after the Raiders game, we were kind of playing the lax card, you know, oh, his t- his time will come. Um, you know, Mike will definitely get his chances, and I still think that holds true, but if it's going to happen, it has to happen this week because we're kind of starting to see the long-term effects of no Mike Evans in this offense. And and that's not necessarily an awful thing when you have playmakers like you know your Scotty Millers your your Gronks when they feel like catching touchdowns but I just need to see big 13 I really do you know I don't believe the rumors or anything that Mike's getting frustrated that's not at all what it is but for the sake of the chemistry of this offense do not be afraid to target Mike Evans and if you're going to come out early and set the tone which is something that this offense can't do it's going to have to happen with Mike Evans. Basically, you know, if you haven't picked it up by now, Buck's got to throw the ball to Mike Evans this week. So, seven seven receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. That was Mike Evans' stat line in week two versus the Panthers. Now, that was without Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was in concussion protocol that game, and that was without Antonio Brown. But it's still good. Like, he, yeah. he still had a very good game, and... um uh, you know, I know you said you don't want to play the play the uh, the relax card, but I'm still going to just because like we all knew what was going to happen in that game, right? Like the 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 Saints game, like Marshawn Lattimore, yeah, owns Mike Evans. Okay, he just does. You didn't see I, I Mike really get going until they back. took Marshawn off the field. <laughs> exactly, that's when he got his catches. It's it's just it's something about it. I think it's in. I mean, the Saints are in the whole Bucks team heads, but like individually, Marshawn Lattimore just has his number. Whether it's something he does differently, um, whatever. But man, like I mean, I know people pull up that clip when Brady throws it to Miller on the outside and it's incomplete, and Mike Evans is running down the field, streaking down the field for a touchdown, basically. Yeah, yeah. But at that point. I think the game was like fourteen or twenty-one, nothing, and like a lot of people said, like that's what like Brady. That's just how he plays. You're just gonna have to deal with it. He's gonna identify pre-snap where he wants to go with the ball. It's almost like sometimes when you're playing Madden 
and like you always know a play that sort of works. Yeah. So you're like, all right, I'm ninety percent sure I'm I'm pressing B. Like I, you know, like I'm snapping the ball and I'm pressing B. I'm not looking anywhere else. And that's sometimes what Brady does, especially when they're down multiple scores and he's just trying to get yards. So yes, I, I mean, yeah, he could have held on to the ball longer. And, and found Mike Evans, and, you know, hopefully that happens this week. But I, I still i am not going to push the panic button just because he's still getting somewhat targeted. I, th- I still think he's at, almost near the top for, for targets um, for the team, and I just think that he'll be fine. I, I really think he'll be fine. He's proven time and time again that, that he'll be fine. So I think he's going to get a touchdown this week. Um, I don't think he'll get over 100 yards, but I think he'll get – five or six catches, uh, maybe like 70 yards or so with a touchdown. So that'll, that'll silence a little bit of, of the heat that, that Brady and, and uh, the offensive game plan has been getting on Twitter over the past few weeks. What do you think, James? So I just looked it up. Um, through nine games, through the first nine games last year, Mike had 89 targets, uh, 54 receptions and 924 yards and seven touchdowns. So far this year, he has, through nine games, 52 targets, 34 receptions, 437 yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, You know, but in the last two games, he had seven targets against the Giants and six targets against the Saints. So, I mean, I, I do agree with Evan whenever it's like, you know, just just relax. You know, there, there will he'll, – he'll get his targets, you know. And it's not like he hasn't been getting targeted the past two weeks. He's been getting targeted – you know, some, you know, I think enough to where he can make an impact, you know, like six, seven targets a game. I think that's kind of what would you guys say? Maybe the minimum of where Mike Evans should be in terms of his target numbers. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with a team that has Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you, you know, those stats last year, that's from, you know, Jameis Winston really forcing the ball to Mike Evans. And I mean, yeah. If you look at last year, it was Mike Evans and Chris Godwin show, right? Both those guys went over a thousand yards. And Mike Evans, to his credit, he had a great, you know, he had a great chemistry with Jameis Winston. Brady's just not that type of quarterback. Brady's going to throw to that. This is the issue. Brady is going to throw to the guy who is open. Mike Evans isn't the type of receiver to just get open. Yeah. You know, like he's the guy that like uh, Brady has thrown a couple fifty-fifty balls, but that's just on the goal line. He hasn't thrown that. Like, I think he threw it once in, in the Chargers game and it ended up working. Um, he hasn't really thrown that 50-50 ball much, like, up in the air for Mike Evans. So I think that's coming, and I, I think it, it's coming soon, but they're just not there yet. And I think it's a way that Brady plays that I don't think people are really used to um, because they're used to James Winston, you know, locking on Mike Evans, and Mike Evans having eight, nine catches a game and, you know, if, if he does well, the, the team plays well, and if he doesn't, they don't. Um, but that's just not how Brady plays. So, um, good, good. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, James, but uh, that's a pretty good point you bring up. Yeah, I, like you said, like you know, and, and I'll be honest, it has been frustrating at some points to hear that that point of like, well, Tom's just going to throw it to who's open, so deal with it. You know, it is kind of frustrating to hear that from time to time because it's like. But it's Mike Evans. Like, we all know how good Mike Evans can be. But, like you said, it's kind of that growing period of just adjusting to that. Yeah. You know? Of just you have to adjust to that idea of just that. that's what Tom Brady does. And that's, you know? I mean... Sorry. Go, I, um, 
you know, just to kind of compliment off of both of what you had said, you know, you hit the nail on the head. That's just how Tom plays. That's Tom's style of play. He's going to spread the ball out, which is why, you know, Scotty Miller is having a career season, which is why you saw Tyler Johnson make that touchdown catch to break the record for Brady earlier on in the season. You know, he's going to spread the ball out, and it is fine. But we've talked a lot on this show about building chemistry on that offense, and building chemistry with Mike Evans between his quarterback and big number 13 is going to involve throwing those 50-50 balls. And, and yeah, you know, Brady isn't going to do that all the time. But for me personally, I don't know how many other people feel this way, but this offense, as we've seen the past few weeks, they start pretty goddamn slow. So I think getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers as early as possible is really just one of the many ingredients to getting this offense rolling a little bit faster than we're used to, at least these past few weeks. But I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up. I know it's a hot topic, and uh, I would love to see Mike have himself a big game this week. But let's talk a little bit more about this offense as a whole. They did not look good against the Saints. They did not look superb against the Giants. But you look at this game, and you look at the Panthers' defense, this is not a bad game for the offense to just kind of get back on track. Um, You know, the Panthers' defensive struggles this season include, well, they haven't been able to get off the field on third down. They've got a 54.2% third down conversion rate, second worst in the NFL. At 48.4% third down conversion passing rate, which is third worst in the NFL. They've also struggled getting to the quarterback. They've got nine sacks on the season, which is the third fewest in the league. You know, the Panthers have been in virtually every game that they've played. They've got, I think, five of their six losses was a single score. The only one we mentioned before was the Bucks game in Week 2 that wasn't. But this Panthers defense is just, you know, from top to bottom, the Buccaneers on offense have to have to just have to roll like have to perform you know the offensive line can't let Brady get hit they can't let him get uncomfortable like he has the past two weeks um you know you have to be humming you have to hope that your play calling is enough to just move the ball downfield because you know we haven't seen what we saw earlier in this season and look it happens you're gonna have highs and lows on offense and defense throughout a 16 game season but What I'm trying to say is that if there is any game to get the ball rolling on offense once again, it's got to be this one. Am I right, Evan? Yeah, I mean, this Panthers defense, yeah, is not good. Um, And like I said, the reason they've been in these games is because the offense is really caught up and Teddy Bridgewater has been playing well. We'll get to that in a few minutes here. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – the Panthers don't really do a whole lot well on defense. Like I said, they have some – bright spots. Derek Brown starting to play well again. Uh, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, Dante Jackson. So, I mean, like those guys, like they're playing well, but like yeah, there's just a lot of holes. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to take advantage. And the Bucks did for the first half of that Carolina game. The Bucks really did take advantage of, uh, you know, of, of Carolina and their struggles on defense. And hopefully that's the same thing. Um, same thing this week. I mean, you were expecting the Bucks' offense to look better against the Saints week nine than it did week one, and it looked worse because, you know, week one you're going in with no experience, basically. Week two against the Panthers, going in with no experience pretty much, and, you know, you look fine. So you'd expect it to look better this week because, you know, like, oh, they already got more games under their belt. They're having some success. But they still got to go out there and perform, just like you said. So they're going to have to keep balance. Uh, I know a lot of people were complaining about, like, the four runs thing. And look, like I was when you're down twenty-one to zero before you can even take a breath. I mean, you're you're not going to run the ball yeah. twenty times. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, they they ran 12 plays on their first four drives, and three of them were runs. The next time that they ran the ball, they were down 21 to nothing already. Um, so yeah, you, you're not going to run the ball. They had no choice with the pass. So, but yeah, you're going to have to keep a balanced attack. Uh, you're just going to have to, like you said, just attack them from all angles and don't take your foot off the gas. And that's, that's how you're going to be. This offense is really starting to get in the a rhythm and the Bucks defense is starting to trend in the wrong direction. So, um, I'm not expecting to give up, you know, 40 points to the Panthers, but uh, you know, that's a little concerning that the, the offense of the Panthers seems to be treading up, and the Bucks' defense seems to be trending down. So this might be a game where the offense is going to put up, you know, some more points. You go ahead, James. James. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just going to say about the offensive line. You know, uh, they had a good stretch there, where well, really they had a uh, yeah, they had a good stretch of three games against the Packers, against the Rams. Uh, or Raiders, sorry, they don't. They haven't played the Rams yet. Um, against the Raiders, again, right? Against Chicago, I thought they looked, you know, not great, <laughs> you know. But but against the Packers and the Raiders, I thought they did okay. But then these past two games against the Giants and Saints, it has not been fun. It, it has not been fun at all. And I've already given my thoughts on my channel about certain members of the offensive line, uh, but. Uh, I, what I've really been seeing, like on comment sections, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this too, is just like, uh, and there's been a lot of hate spewed for this offensive line this past week. I mean, have you guys been seeing that? I see it all directed at one player, and it's uh, you know number 76, no stranger here on the show. But Donovan Smith has played like dog doo doo. Um, he, he looked awful against New Orleans, and I mean, I, I think it really comes down to, I went on a big rant, actually, about it on this week's Buck, uh, Bucks break, but, you know, Donovan Smith, when he's out there, dude, he just doesn't look like he cares. Like, he really looks like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world. I don't know what it is, but, you know, you talk about these guys buying in and a, and a winner's mentality and learning to lose, learning to win, learning to just do things differently when you're a winning football team. I don't think Donovan Smith gives a shit about any of that. I think he's there to get paid, and I think that's why he's an average left tackle at best. But uh, against New Orleans, you know, honestly, guys, think about it. It doesn't matter who's under center. How many times have we been watching a game where the pocket collapses, or really, you know, just the left side of the line collapses, your quarterback is running for his life, and Donovan Smith is just standing there with his thumb up his ass? How many times have we seen that over the past four seasons, honestly? So, Evan, what do Why? you think about Donovan Smith? <laughs> Why do I always have to be the one to stick up for him? Because um, <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't so, want to say anything bad about him. I, I Hey, so at look, least I okay, said he was yeah. average. I don't think he should pack his bags. I think we're at the point in the season where the Bucks have no choice but to ride it out, but I definitely don't think he's back yeah, here next season. I, 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 I hate the people that say, oh, yeah, well, you can find somebody better Donovan Smith where? <laughs> so who 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 on the street is better than Donovan Smith right now? There's nobody. The, the, okay? the like, only the only human being that I could, or the only free agent that I and I, I talked about this with Taylor Jenkins. The only guy is uh, like Corey Glenn, Cody Glenn, former Bengals left tackle. Yeah. You know but, that's I mean, yeah, that's he, it. He plays guard mostly now. During the, towards the end of his career, he switched to guard a little bit. So right, like he hasn't even played tackle in a long time. So. 
like it's just it's tough, you know. And you're gonna like you said, you're gonna have to ride out with Donovan Smith. And Smith is not as bad as people say. Yes, he had a bad game against the Saints. He played decent against the Giants because, like I said, both sacks were really coverage sacks. Like the Giants, like defensive backs, just had a great game plan for the Bucks receivers. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about it, Red, on the review show uh, for that game. I mean, they were just really playing some good football back there, and Brady just had to hold on to the ball. I think Donovan Smith was was beat on one rep in that game, uh, but I mean, other than that, like you know, yeah, I, I think it's, it's something about the Saints because. He played. He played the worst game of his career against the Saints Week One, and then I mean I didn't really see too much. I mean this one might have been maybe worse, but at the same time I don't know if it is worse because he was next to Joe Haig instead of Ali Marpet, and maybe he had to, he was worried about helping out Haig a little bit more than you know helping out Marpet. So um, I mean I, you know Chicago he was terrible. And I mean, yeah, last week he was terrible. But like, I, I, I would. I my would big say, thing is they can do much worse. That's my. That's my main point. That's the only thing I'm going to really say. I, I would say Donovan Smith looked as bad in this most recent game as he looked in Week One. I mean, I thought that he looked exactly the same. You know, where he, he 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 gets beat by Trey Hendrickson and whoever the the third stringer is for the the Saints. You know, like that's kind of inexcusable to me. To me is is but yes it's inexcusable but at the same time you're factoring in being next to Joe Haig instead of Ali Marpet who's been one of the best guards all year right but so but to me but that definitely a factor right but but it but he right I'm not I'm I'm not saying this for like for like an argument thing but like um he did bad in both scenarios when when no, he was I next down right so like it's just like it's just like then then what's the problem. Like I don't get it. Like you can make the argument that yes, Joe. Joe obviously not having Ali Marpet there uh, does not help things. Obviously, it makes your job a whole lot harder. But like even when Ali Marpet's there, he struggles. So it's like it's confusing. I honestly think it might be a mental thing with playing the Saints. And I know we. And I know we're not going to talk about it much longer. But like I just think it's kind of a mental block type thing where he. I mean, yeah, the the Saints players are tagging him on Twitter and saying, "Oh, yeah, it's a free." free meal two times a year or whatever. Yeah, they're in this head. Like, yeah. they, that entire Saints roster is in the Bucks head. Like, right. the only one, the only few that aren't is, like, Tom Brady and, like, the, and, and like, the, um, like, the rookies and stuff. But the fact that the, the rest of the Bucks roster is, Tom Brady's like, what are you guys doing? Like, he's, like, right. the only one that's like, what are you doing? But the entire roster's like, oh, we're brainwashed to, to lose the Saints. So, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. you know, and, um, just to kind of put like a, a thing, a, a wrap up on the on, on my thoughts on the Donovan Smith things. Like we, I you know, like I said, talked to Taylor Jenkins about that. And we both came to the conclusion of like, there's nothing the Bucks could do right now to replace Donovan Smith. And like, I've been seeing so many people complain on on stuff that has nothing to do with Donovan Smith. You know, like I make a video about Clay Matthews. I hear, can he play offensive line? It's like guys, ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like come on. You know, uh, and, you know, I've seen people say move Tristan Wirth from right tackle to left tackle. I mean, it could be a possibility somewhere down the line, but, like, not not this year. You know, not not yet. Yeah, that's not, yeah. That's you not know? happening midway through your rookie season. Yeah, right. No so, way. like, there, there's just nothing they can do. Who are you going to put in? Josh Wells? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you're not. But, and 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 the issue is that Donovan Smith has refused to play right tackle, so it's not like you can just switch them both. Um, right. 
And I mean, a lot of people say like making the switch from side to side is, is difficult. It's like, you know, basically, yeah, you're try making if you're right handed, try making a switch to left handed one day and see how difficult it is. Like, it's not just simple like that. Um, I mean, it's they're lucky that Worfs has somewhat of experience with both, even though he's played right tackle for most of the time. And I mean, I agree with you guys. I just to, to wrap this up completely because we've talked way too much about this and we've got to get on to the defensive side of things. But um, I, I wouldn't expect him to be back next year, uh, just because I think one of the factors may be actually the the cap crunch because of the, the lost revenue and the salary cap not going up. I think if the cap was going up, I think there'd be a much better shot of him returning, but there's just no way you can keep $14 million on that. So I think they're going to look to maybe move worse. I don't have inside info on this, but maybe look to move worse to left tackle and then just find a cheaper option at right tackle. It, it's easier to find a decent right tackle than it is to find a good left tackle. So. Could could resign Joe Hag and just plug him in over there. He's played right tackle before. Yeah, he does. I I wouldn't be up for that experience. <laughs> well, let's move on from the offensive line. We've gone over the offensive expectations for the Buccaneers this Sunday. Let's talk about the defense, and and you know, let's kind of start it off with this Panthers offense. Uh, their quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. They've got wide receivers that are pretty damn good. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. They had pretty strong games against the Bucks in Week Two. Um, and believe it or not, on offense, Carolina actually outgained the Bucks by quite a bit in that game. I think it was 427 to 339 yards total in that football game. Of course, the Buccaneers victorious, but the Panthers' offense can move the ball. Robbie Anderson is a threat, and then, of course, DJ Moore has really been up and coming these past few weeks. So, for the defense, you know, I just want to say, like... <laughs> It's easy to say by default, oh, come in with the same game plan you did week two. No, you can't do that. But just stick to what you know. Like, stick to what you know works and play to your strengths. Because I do not believe that we saw any of that in last week's game. I think the game plans on both sides of the ball just didn't play to anything that this team does well. You know, we, we've talked for weeks on end that the Bucks, as good as their defense is, they just can't bring pressure with four people. Kind of sucks. It would have been nice to have an extra edge rusher before the deadline. But, you know, here we are. You've got JPP and Shaq Barrett. When you rush three or four and drop everybody else back in a coverage, you might make the quarterback go through an extra read, but he's going to find an open person, and he's going to find an open person because they're going to be wide-ass open by about 10 yards. So on defense this week, just stick to what you know. If you got a blitz, don't be scared to do it. Just, just play to your strengths because, you know, Obviously, when you play to your strengths, that's when any team plays its best football. But we've seen this Bucks defense play their best football when they just make it look seamless out there. And, and you come in with a better game plan than you did last week. I think it's safe to say that they should see a uh, return to form. You draft, you draft man-to-man corners, physical corners, and then you play zone. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly what they did against the Giants. Like, I don't... I don't get it. Like, and they, the good news is that this is the silver lining is that when I looked at the film of week two versus the Panthers, they were playing a lot of man, right? They were playing a ton of man that game. And like, you know, they were getting burned a little bit, but I mean, I remember that was the one Carlton Davis pick. He recognized it yeah. and he was able to get it. So, um, yeah, about the, the rushing with four, I know that, you know, you gave me some credit on, on the Bucks break when you said like, 
we had discussed this before that like I was really concerned that when that when you know when they're not blitzing, how consistently can they get there with four guys? And they just can't. Um, they cannot consistently get there. Pressures are great. Pressures aren't sacks. They need sacks from their front four. And quite frankly, they're not even getting enough pressures against the teams like the Saints and stuff. So to me, it's just it's not good enough. And Shaq Barrett, buddy, I know, I know that James, this is your guy, but he's got his he's he got his picture than... of Shaq Barrett covered up behind him. Actually, I've always wanted to ask about that. Wow. Copyright issues. Wow. What? Oh. What? So, Copyright so I, issues. So when I'm when I'm for live, a cartoon I, drawing. I'm just well, I'm just lazy and take it down. But um, when I'm live streaming the game from the TV, uh, you can see oh, the reflection. Okay, all right. Oh, I was like, for a cartoon <laughs> illustration, who the hell? Yeah, no. I uh, I literally I I talked to the guy who made it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man. Um. But anyways, um, four sacks in nine games isn't going to get it done. Um, essentially three sacks. If you look at Everybody says like, oh, four sacks. Well, to me, is three. You can t- you can uh, minus one for every sack that he gets because the one sack that he had was when Justin Herbert he slid out and he slid past uh, behind the line of scrimmage. He slid down and Shaq Bear was the first one there and just touched it. That was a sack. Um, that that is not a sack. I don't know why they credit. I don't know why they don't credit that as a tackle for loss, but. It's a sack because it was the quarterback. So, I mean, basically has three sacks in nine games. and They just, they need more from him. I know that he's, like, top five and pressures in the league and stuff, but this dude's getting paid $16.5 million. Like, they need more from him. Like, you really do. Jason Pierre-Paul has been fine. He's been good. He's slowed down a little bit. He was on a hot streak. He slowed down a little bit, as has the Dominican Sue. I think the loss of Vita Vea has been huge for these guys. You know, that was the guy that really – I think was almost like the the anchor of, of that defensive line, and without him, it's really hurt. I get and, it. And really but, quick though, like, but I mean, it, it, to simply put it, if you have Vita Vea, you're getting pressure with four. You're getting sacks with four guys. That's that's what it boils down to. You're well, yeah, you're you're able to move the offensive line back more. I mean, yeah. it, it it sucks, but like the Bucks aren't built like they're not built for you know they're not built for that like. They're not built to withstand that type of injury. They one thing. What did I say? Rhett, was, was my one main concern about this defense going into the season. It was the depth along the defensive line and the outside linebackers. I just, I mean, Anthony Nelson hasn't really done a whole lot, and they don't have anybody else. Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul are completely gassed by the third quarter because they've been playing the entire time. I mean, it it, it sucks. Um, and last year they had Carl Nassib. You know, last year they had Carl Nassib to rotate in and out there, and they were able to stay fresh. But this year, obviously not the case. Um, I saw a tweet that said, like, if the Bucks, I think it was might have been Evan Winter, um, who said that, uh, you know, if the Bucks, and I sort of agree with it, if the Bucks want to beat the Saints and have success against the Saints offense, they need to find an elite pass rusher. And Jack Barrett and Jason Bear-Paul are good. They're good pass rushers, but they're not elite. Um, and, and I think that's what they need. That's what they've been lacking. Shaq Barrett last year was elite, but this year, I mean, the fact is he's been decent to good. I mean, you, you got to get home, and they're going to have to get home. And I mean, Bridgewater can run a little bit. He can run more than Breeze. Uh, they did a good job of limiting Daniel Jones, uh, his running ability, so hopefully they can keep that up against Bridgewater. But 
I mean, the big reason, like, the Dominican suit dominated that Carolina game, and the Bucks, like, the Bucks really had success um, against Carolina with their pass rush. So they're going to have to have another good day here. And like you said, the, the defensive game plan is going to be more simple. Um, play man. Obviously, you're not playing man and blitzing every play. You, you can't. I get it. But to end my long speech here, play man, get pressure with four, and, and just, you know, blitz more like you, you can't consistently expect to just send for 70 percent of the time in it for, to work like you're gonna have to blitz close to 50 percent of the time i think um devin white and i think he's like one of the leaders for inside linebackers in sacks and he has what like five and a half or something like that just send them like send levante david send those guys send jordan whitehead down send mike edwards send Antoine winfield send those guys in you know obviously pick and choose your spots but you got to be able to generate pressure or else it could be a long day. Um, uh, so the Bucks have blitzed 160 times this season. Um, the second, which is the most in the NFL. Shocker, I know. Uh, <laughs> the, the second most team is the Ravens with 147. The Bucks are blitzing on 43.5% of dropbacks. Um, they have 38 hurries, which is, I think, sixth in the NFL. They have how many knockdowns? 34 knockdowns, which is second in the NFL uh, to the Falcons. They have 29 sacks, which is second to the Steelers. Um, and then they have 101 pressures, which is second to the Steelers as well. But um, a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that they are blitzing so freaking much, you know, like Evan, like you said, like in, in terms of like non-blitzing pass rush, like it's not good. You know, it, it really isn't like they need somebody to rotate in. They need somebody to, you know, really have that Carl Nassau role. I mean, Clay Matthews, I don't know, you know, I, or even just getting Anthony Nelson more playing time. Like it's 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 something that, you know it's something that needs to be done. Cause like you said, Evan, uh, JPP's getting gassed. Shaq oh. Barrett's getting gassed because right now, as it stands, Jason Pierre Paul has believed has played 88% or 89% of the defensive snaps for this season for oh. the Bucks defense. And I believe Shaq Barrett's played 84 or 85%. I'm honestly surprised really quick for JPP that it's not more. Well, the, you I know, mean, yeah, but, like, he's getting up there in age. Like he's over 30 now. Like, you got to start to take that into consideration. Oh, too. well, like I, just mean, gonna... I just mean it by, like, he's the guy that never wants to come off of the field. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Well, that, yeah, I was, I that, that was exactly what I was going to say, Rhett, was, like, I get it. Like, he doesn't want to come off the field and he gets mad. Bro, I, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're getting tired and gassed out there, get get him off the field and let's get some, some fresh legs in there. And that will really – I think that that would help out tremendously – but like to with, me, with, that that's how you know he's getting gassed. How many times have you seen that this year, where you get he gets off the field and he's sort of annoyed? Not much. You you haven't really seen that a whole lot. So that's how you can tell. You know, you you're, if you just look at Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul's body language throughout the game, they'll have their hands on it by the you know start of third quarter. Or so they're having their hands on their hips, and they're just they're really tired. And when they come out, they're happy to see Anthony Nelson trot out there. Right. So, I mean, that's it. It's a, it's a three-man rotation. There's nobody else, and that's something that they're going to have to find in the offseason. Whether, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul will be back, but you don't know about Shaq Barrett yet. Whether it's Shaq Barrett or somebody else, if it's Bud Dupree or they, they trade for somebody, you're going to have to find another pass rusher or two because you, you can't just rely on two guys. 
Yeah, and and I don't know, like like you said, like they basically are forcing themselves into blitzing as much as they are. Forty three to forty four percent of dropbacks, like that's insane. That's exactly what you said. They're blitzing almost half of the time, uh, which is kind of insane on paper, but like it's kind of a necessity because. I don't know if it's a confidence thing with their lack of pass rush. Like I, I just did this research for my, um, you know, my, my the Clay Matthews video that I had talked about, and, and I want your guys' thoughts on it. But here's the defensive snaps in terms of percentages, okay? Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, 88%. Shaq Barrett's at 84%, you know, if you round it up. Uh, after that, you go all the way down to Anthony Nelson at 24.54% of defensive snaps. And then after that, like, you know, we we all know the roster relatively, you know, well enough to determine who's an outside pass rushing linebacker, who's a defensive lineman, things like that. For outside pass rushing linebackers, there's nobody. Cam Gill, 2.18%. <laughs> That's the next guy on oh, this and, list. And Cam Gill played a little bit on Sunday night, so those might be a lot from Sunday night. Right. So it's exactly what you, exactly like what you said, Evan. It's a three man rotation and it's not even a strong three man rotation because Anthony mm-hmm. Nelson's only getting 24 percent of the snaps, which is what led led me to make a video talking about. Could they bring in Clay Matthews just to get a body in there that they trust, you know, uh, and uh, I think it should still be considered. I think they have around five million dollars in cap space and kind of went off the you know uh, not to talk about personnel moves or things like that but yes exactly what you said to the point they're gonna have to blitz just out of sheer necessity because they don't have a strong pass rush teddy bridgewater if you rattle a guy like teddy he can make a couple of mistakes i i do fully believe that yeah i do want to ask you guys one one thing one thing before we move on just one thing because it's on my mind right now talk about pass rush rotation so these are two guys i'm going to bring up that are making right around the same amount of money Right, so if you if you got one got rid of one, you would have been able to fit in the other. Would you rather have Carl Nassib or Rob Gronkowski? Oh hell, man! I mean that's that's an easy that's an easy answer for me. Um, I'll go ahead and field this one. But Carl Nassib was my guy. I, I was so upset to see him go because one of the things that we praised was he's just a high motor player. And it's not that JPP and Shaq Barron aren't necessarily high motor players, but can you imagine when they get gassed, you've got Carl effing Nassib ready to go? Like, he is simply a defensive end slash outside linebacker in the NFL that does not get enough credit. Um, I'm a really big fan of Nassib, and while Gronk has been nice in the absence of OJ Howard, to be honest with you, he's not necessarily doing anything that I don't think Cam Brake could do, aside from block every now and again. But to answer that question, I'm picking Carl Nassib. One, because he's my guy, and two, it just it brings this defensive line to a whole nother level when you talk about it in this context. You know, I, if we're talking like right now, I mean, OJ is hurt. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that would that would kind of. But we have Cam Braid, I guess, and um, I don't know. I mean, I would probably lean more towards Carl Nassib, too. And I j- thank you for telling me about that, Evan, because I just looked it up. Um, so this is this is kind of what we're talking about in terms of the rotation that they had last year, okay? Jason Pierre-Paul came back game number seven versus Tennessee, okay? Uh, even in that game, Carl Nassib played 81% of snaps. And then after that game, aside from um, versus Seattle, where he didn't, he really didn't play at all, he was still playing 
at least 40% of defensive snaps a game for the entire it's good, season. It's a good rotation. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a lack of trust thing with Anthony Nelson and some of the other young guys. Like, I really don't know what, what you know, the coaching staff is mindset is there but like it worked <laughs> you know i mean it's it's a strong it's probably a very strong reason as to why shaq barrett had the sack numbers he did last year and another reason as to why jason pierre paul came on so strong in the you know eight or seven eight games that he played for the bucks last year as well like both those guys did good is because they could stay fresher and be more efficient with their pass rushing because there was a stronger rotation there yeah I am personally, one more thing I'll say before we get into the weekly checklist and break this thing down, but I'm personally surprised we never heard any more to rumors of, you know, pursuing or at least asking about Clay Matthews because, you know, you look at rotational talent, you look at a part-time guy who can get it done. James, I know, you know, you had just done a video on it and we talked about it a little while ago. I think back in the off season. You know, we were doing our season prediction show, and we're like, well, you know, there's a couple of moves that this team could still make, and Evan was really high on Clay Matthews for a pretty long time. Um, and I just, I wonder why they didn't go that direction. I mean, yeah, hindsight's always 2020, but, you know, when you talk about the situation the Bucks are in now, there is nothing that presents itself more perfectly for the situation than Clay Matthews. Like, people like to say that he's, you know, always washed, or he's not the right type of linebacker, or he's he's this, he's that. He had what? He had seven or eight sacks last season? Eight, eight sacks last year playing for the Rams. I mean, you talk about rotational talent at this point for the price tag that I'm sure he has, because newsflash, he's still not signed. You know, I just, I don't know why they don't go that route, and I guess they still have time, but... You know, it's just another one of those names. While it is, you know, a bigger name and people are used to all these big names flocking to Tampa, it's just, it's a perfect situation that I'm surprised we haven't heard more about. Well, you know, uh, Bruce had said to, like, much in the case with Antonio Brown, where he said, well, if there's injuries there, you know, we'll, we'll consider bringing him in. Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul are both on the injury report this week. I'm not saying they're going to sign him tomorrow or sign him today and then, you know, plug him in playing, but, like, if those guys are well, nagged by play anyway, with how today's world is, so that exactly. But like, if those guys are already tired and they're dealing with injuries, I mean, like, that's a good point to make. Is yeah, they they could be playing themselves into injuries by playing that much. You know, that that could be a thing. You know, so having a stronger rotation is going to become even more of a necessity if they're a little hampered by injuries, as well as the fact that they're playing over 80% of defensive snaps, you know, every single game, uh, and even in some cases, 90% or whatever, you know, like, maybe they will consider it somewhere down the line. Who knows? Yeah. And to, to cap it off with this, you know, you look at those two guys that we talked about, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre, Paul, well, they're both kind of playing with chips on their shoulder this season. Yeah, JPP just got paid, so he'll be here for a little while, but he felt like he was 100% ready to go headed into this season, and he is playing with a point to prove because he wants to prove he can still hang in there with your top-tier pass rushers, and, you know, he is a great talent, but when he is playing 80-plus uh, percent of the snaps, you're going to see what we have been talking about. And Shaq Barrett, franchise tag year, he wants to make his money. So you know he wants to go out there and perform more than he is. And, you know, I just, I have to believe that both of these guys are the type of guys who, yeah, they don't want to come off of the field, but they're also playing with chips on their shoulders. So maybe it is a little bit of stubbornness. I don't know, but they definitely need some help out there. I don't think there is any argument about that. 
Ladies and gents, every single week on the Game Preview Show, we wrap things up with something I like to call the weekly checklist. And basically what it is, it's a list of three things that the Bucks are going to need to do if they want to come out victorious against the Panthers this coming Sunday. First and foremost, target Mike Evans. We talked about it literally at the top of the show, but I'll reiterate it. Do not be scared to throw the ball to Mike Evans. He can catch it. He can go up and get it. And, uh, you know, based off of his performance against Carolina in Week 2, I think he'll have some favorable matchups this Sunday afternoon. Number two on the checklist, play some clean football. We haven't been pounding the table talking about discipline these past few weeks, which is really a step in the right direction because I can't remember the last time that we haven't really had to mention the Bucks shooting themselves in the foot I mean, when you lose 38-3, to it's kind of hard to not already shoot yourself in the foot with a penalty because the game's already lost, but you get what I'm trying to say. If you want to return to form, like we're hoping that this team can do, playing clean football just makes it that much easier. And last but not least, stick to what you know, primarily on the defense. Look, we talk about how much this team blitzes, this defense in particular. That's just the identity. That's just what makes them good. You know, Todd Bowles and his creativity on the blitz is what makes it so dynamic and what makes the, I don't want to say makes this defense looks better than they are, but, you know, they are up in sack numbers because of it. Like, it's what they do so well. It, it really is, you know, it's not about playing zone and being perfect at it and getting a pick in the right place at the right time. It's about the Bucks blitzing their ass off forcing mistakes, and winning the turnover battle. That is the identity of this Todd Bowles defense, and I'm not really going to have anybody try and convince me otherwise. I encourage them to blitz. Yeah, you can't blitz every single time. You have some game-time decisions where you're going to have to sit back and maybe play some zone or play some prevent every now and again, but damn it, just blitz. Like, they do it so well. Don't be scared to do it. If Teddy Bridgewater burns you for a 70-yard touchdown on it, so what? Go out there and score again. Like, it, it's... You know, we're, we're so far into the season. It's week 10, guys. Week 10. We are in the double digits. There are seven more weeks of the regular season. I can't believe I just said that out loud, but that's where we are. By now, you know what this team does well. You know what they don't. Stick to what you know. And if you're going to have success on defense against the Carolina offense that, you know, did put up some numbers on us last time, but they can still kick their ass. I think Teddy Pridgewater can really be rattled. And uh, they can force some turnovers. So stick to what you know on both sides of the ball. Don't come out with an outlandish game plan that you don't know if it's going to work. Because when these games start to matter much, much more, you can't you, you just you can't gamble anymore. That's what it boils down to. So that is my weekly checklist, fellas. Do you have anything you want to add, Evan? If you want to chime in first, uh, I think you pretty much hit hit the nail on the head. Um, not really much else I can add. Uh, they they found a kicker, so no need to do that. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think you pretty much nailed it. I, I think if the Bucks are able to do able to do those things, uh, Sunday should be fairly simple. I guess I will, I'm not going to say easy, but I think simple would be the word, and I think they would come out with a W. So I think uh, yeah, that checklist is looks pretty good to me. Hey, I appreciate the props. It's not often that you give me the props here on the show, but I will take it. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like I never do it. Come on. Oh, never, never. James, do you have anything you want to add to the checklist? No, I mean, blitzing is going to be a key out of sheer necessity. Uh, I would say rotate more, but they don't <laughs> want to do that. Uh, you know, so just blitz more. Uh, stick to what you know. Man coverage, blitzing. 
uh, Tom Brady spreading out the weapons, things like that, you know, just doing the things that make you a good team, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and uh, just clean, play a clean game. Like you said, Rhett, I mean, penalties and just inconsistency with blocking and things like that. I mean, we can't have that. Otherwise, you're not going to win football games, you know? Yeah, very true. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do some score predictions and we'll break this down. I'll go first. I think it's a fairly low-scoring game. I think the offense definitely has their best chance in quite a few weeks to really get the ball rolling again. But with that being said, I don't think any team is putting up over 30. And uh, I don't even think the Bucks are putting up over 28. I think the final score of this one, Tampa Bay comes out victorious 24-14. to 14. And uh, I say 24-14 to 14 because maybe, you know, I'm thinking there's a drive where Carolina's pretty close to making it 21-24. to 24 late in the fourth quarter or early fourth quarter. I don't know, but I think there's a situation where they make this game closer and then you see a pretty clutch interception or even a fumble recovery. But I think a big time turnover is what's going to save this game from being any closer. So 24 to 14 Buccaneers win is my prediction. James, what is your prediction for the score this Sunday? 28, 21 Carolina Panthers experience more sadness. They lose another game by one score. There you go. Evan, what have you got? Yeah, so I got. Uh, uh, I'm gonna yeah, basically ride ride that. Um, I have 26-21. So I think yeah, it's gonna be a close game. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's it's gonna be a close game. And I think. I don't think it's gonna come down to like a like the Panthers are gonna have the ball with like 30 seconds left. They're gonna be able to score. Like, I don't. I don't think it's yeah, gonna be that. So I just think that. The, the the Bucks are gonna have the ball and they'll just run the clock out and the Panthers like the Panthers just won't get the ball back so um, I think it'll be an up and down game and I think at halftime the Bucks may even be down in the game but I think they'll rally in the second half and come out with a pretty hard fought win so twenty six twenty one I think it might be a little too close for comfort at times but at the end of the day I think they'll get the W James I see your uh, you're crunching the numbers over there what a... how do you how twenty six how did they get twenty six I mean, you can get 26 pretty easy. I mean, same way you get 16. Three field goals? A bunch goals? of field goals and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if they try to go for, let's say, maybe it's 20, you know, let's say they have that situation where it's like 21 to 20 Carolina and right. the Bucks score a touchdown, go for two, don't get it. That's 26-21. That's true. I just, I it's I, I like it. I like that. No, I, I never hear score. I I don't think I've, I I don't hear score predictions where I get like a number like twenty six. I like that, Evan. That's right. beautiful. All right, that's his style, man. Well, that's why people listen to the show. There you that's go. That's right. Uh, yeah. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets, or of course checking us out with video over on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure you click that subscribe button. And of course, hit the bell icon so you get notified any single time we drop an episode, go live, drop a Bucks break, drop a hype video every single Friday. we got a bunch of great content for you over there. Truly the best way to experience the show. Mr. James Hill, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Always a pleasure and looking forward to the next time because I'm sure it'll be sooner than most people think. But for the folks who don't know, where can they find you and your awesome content? uh youtube at mr bucks nation uh just been making some videos over there you know talking about most recently the signing of clay matthews i mean people want to talk about donovan smith in the comments section but uh and they also tell me to burn my hoodie 
But, uh, you know, overall, uh, you, the know, same, got some... you know what? You know what? Now that I think about it, I'm glad that you brought that goddamn hoodie up because the same hoodie that you decided to wear on last week's game preview. And, and what did the final score of that game look like? I don't want to talk about well, it. Well, there you go. You better not bring it here on the show again. Okay. Okay. It's you've laying been, on the ground warned. right now. Okay. It's it's put it's, it on the it's, floor. It's, it is on the floor. Roll over it with your chair. It's tainted ground now. <laughs> My room's just going to be cursed. Uh, but you know, just did a video about Clay Matthews. I've got you know, obviously a couple more videos coming out, like players to watch, keys to victory, the preview video talking about the Panthers game, which you know, hopefully I'll have some special guests on those videos. Oh, uh, and then I've also got a video coming out soon talking about uh, Tristan Wirfs. So, fun stuff's on the way. There you go. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. And best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. And you can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I promise I will follow you back. Bounce back time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is this Sunday. Hopefully, we caught you up on everything you needed to know on this week's game preview. We will talk to you Monday after the game. Until then, I am Rhett Matthews signing off for my co-host Evan Wanish and our special guest James Hill. We'll see you guys later. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.